Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Hey all, welcome to, again, as I'm going to mention, our Sermon on the Mount series. I get to uh, discuss and converse with you about the idea of prayer and really how Jesus sees prayer uh, fitting into uh, the way uh, of transformation in our inner lives. And so last week we touched on Jesus's critique of this religious fundamentalism. And before that, we touched on the Beatitudes, and uh, the Beatitudes did well at naming those who are already treasured. You are one of those. You are already treasured. You are the light, and you are of the light. All of you, all of who you are, is welcome, loved, and cherished. And then Jesus comes to this transition point in the text into kind of more of a practical teaching section. And he says, do not think I came to abolish the law. And when he says this, I believe some people uh, could have been taken aback, right? Uh, Because it seemed as if you were abolishing the law, right, Jesus? And maybe some were relieved to hear that he kind of eased the tension in the room. Or maybe some were anticipating what he would say next. But Jesus, instead of dismantling the law, he begins to dismantle the ways in which we sell ourselves short with the idea of shaping this outer image of who we are. Marketing ourselves well, presenting the best I am okay and fine, everything is good facade. And he begins to reveal the apparent ways in which we think we are deeply, deeply rooted in intimacy with the divine, but truly it's a faux image of depth. And just turn out to be ways of behavior modification and hopes of acceptance from a group. And so for us, as we are where we are in chapter 6, I want to start at the beginning of chapter 6, so verses 1 through 8 leading up to the Lord's Prayer, as we'll say at the end together as our prayer for the sermon. And I believe this is important uh, because we begin to see the transition from law and righteousness to prayer in the inner person. And for Jesus, these are really very much interconnected and intertwined. And so let us read the text, starting in verse 1 in chapter 6. Be careful not to participate or to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. For truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, 
and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before asking him. And so, of course, uh, when I think about verse 7 through 8, of course, when I'm preparing for uh, my sermon, I tend to crack jokes with my family. Uh, And I felt like the spirit was saying in verse seven through eight, uh, it was kind of uh, maybe encouraging those who have the extremely long holiday dinner prayers to calm down. Right. Uh, We don't need five minute sermonettes. Uh, We just need you to let us know uh, that the food is blessed and we're going to enjoy this conversation because the Lord already knows what we need before asking him. That's verse eight. Boy, that was a funny joke. And uh, probably did not get it, and it's okay. Uh, it's it it, it it was funny to me, and that's all that matters. Uh, well, anyways, on a more serious note, we see Jesus making the move from law and righteousness to prayer in the inner person. And for Jesus, it's a continuation of the same conversation about transformation in your inner life, as opposed to being consumed with the outer appearance of who we are, right? You see, a great performance is not a substitute for transformation or formation. And Jesus is wanting all of us, wanting for all of us this idea of transformation of the inner self by way of formation, by being shaped by his teachings. And if you want to, you know, maybe ask some questions. That maybe whenever you heard those verses... Maybe some things came up, but I think one of the biggest things for me was maybe if we were to, you know, do a metaphorical or proverbial raise of hands, how many of you would say you struggle with perfectionism? Then I might ask another question. How many of you would say you struggle with imposter syndrome? Because for me, it seems as if a lot of us find ourselves existing as some who strive for perfection and simultaneously struggle with the idea of authenticity. But we still have a desire to find this metric-based evidence of growth. In church, that's a never-ending cycle. He renowned says this about formation of the inner self. Spiritual formation, I've come to believe. Is not about the steps or stages on the way to perfection, but it's about the movements from the mind into the heart through prayer in many forms that connect us to God and to others and to our truest selves. For many of us, it might actually be easier to perform than do the real work of introspection and trusting in the slow work of God in our life. And Jesus is warning us. He's saying that if the reward you desire is for people to praise you at the end of a great prayer, 
or at the end of your outreach day, then that is your reward in full and it stops there. You see, Jesus will talk about fasting later, generosity later, and many other topics. And if the reward you desire is praise for perfection and performance, then your reward stops there instead of transforming your inner self. And as we enter into this conversation today, Jesus is worried, or should I say what Jesus is sharing with them is that you shouldn't trade presence for proficiency or maybe even the image of perfection for presence. Co-author Riley says this about perfectionism. He says, perfectionism is a form of self-hatred. Stop destroying yourself and learn the language of self-compassion. For you don't have to be perfect to be loved. And some of us might have needed to hear that today, especially as we talk about this idea of performance over presence. You see, the way Jesus is, uh, the way Jesus is, is talking to us is he's not saying, uh, in this text, try harder, right? But he is saying this way of Jesus is characterized. The way of my teachings is characterized by the presence and the slow work of God. And the hope for Jesus that he set before this community is that prayer will lead you into the thin spaces of communion with God and inner transformation. And so as we kind of move forward, maybe I can ask another question for you. How many of you are actually comfortable with the concept of prayer? Then maybe another one would be, how many of you are comfortable praying in public? Or even praying at home by yourself? Because for me, on my journey back to prayer, prayer was, it started off sort of like a, you know, crisis management, right? The Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll magnify and glorify and all the fives your name in the world, right? Or one time, I remember I was at a pastoral conference where some, I'm sure, well-meaning speaker was hoping to get us very motivated about prayer would share a story that would go something like this. He was at a coffee meeting with a mentee of his, and they would, he said we would just bask in the Lord's presence, and they would pray for 30 minutes straight. He said, I was listening to the prayers of my mentee, and I could tell everything about his relationship with God by the way that he prayed that day. And what I got from that moment is the moral of the story is that beware of how you pray because people are listening. At least that's what I thought. Perform well because people are listening. Not only are people listening, but God is listening, right? So if my metric for prayer is off and God is not pleased with my prayer, then what am I doing? So before I'm too triggered, we can move on. 
Now, for some of us, on a serious note, right, we are comfortable with prayer, and prayer always has been and will be a space of communion with God for us. But for others, it might be hard to get back into. Maybe we don't know what to do or how to do it, or maybe you're still healing from what you saw done with prayer early in your spiritual journey. Because again, for me, it was a hard journey back. For the most part, it seemed also uh, not only that people were listening, but that prayer kind of turned into this idea of virtue signaling, kind of revealing someone's piety amidst a group of people who already agree by using scripture and lofty words. Maybe you can tell that I was skeptical from the beginning, right? But then I became that same person. I began to realize that. uh, And then later on, I began to realize that I wasn't communing with God in that space and in that time. I wasn't aware of the presence of anybody in the room. But most of my prayers were ways of convincing others that I knew my Bible, that I was proficient in knowledge, and I had the gift of teaching. I knew that I could move a room with words and prayer. And so on my journey of deconstruction, the journey back was tough. It was one of the hardest. It was full of grief and frustration and ignorance, honestly. But one, when I realized that I let go of the hope or goal of perfection, that I was able to see the purpose Josh said a a while ago uh, in one of our prayer series, he said, Jesus' teaching on prayer isn't about how to form a prayer. It's about how to be formed by prayer. Now when I practiced prayer, I realized that it's more about learning to enjoy the times in the thin spaces where our senses are heightened, We are our most present and aware of the goodness in life that is around us and in us. It's in verse 10 uh, where it's kind of a tagline for me. It has shaped me in many ways and continued to propel me on many journeys in the way of Jesus. Verse 10 says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In church, I believe Jesus is encouraging us, not only in this section, uh, but also in this prayer, that experiencing God in the thin spaces of your life is what the way of Jesus is about. Thin spaces are spaces and time characterized by the transcendence of the divine, the very tangible presence of God, places where heaven and earth meet. And I used to think, we can wait, we can wait for a second. You know, if you've been around Gather, you are used to the sirens that take place. Um, So as I was saying, thin spaces. You see, a thin space for me, I used to think was narrowed down to this very spiritual idea. I must be pontificating upon scripture and a dove come on my shoulder and the big voice, right? Maybe Morgan Freeman says, it's in you, I am well pleased, you know. But I begin to see that as I grew in my journey in the way of Jesus, that a thin space 
can be so many things. So for me, an example is enjoying a nice glass of natural wine at a light year's wine bar right off West Alabama. This might be a plug. Maybe we can be sponsored by them one day. On a night full of laughter with great friends. This idea on a great night with great laughter, with great conversation, with great friends is a thin space for me. Another thin space for me uh, is uh, the moment that my Aunt Peg died. She was the matriarch of our family. And she said, uh, even before she died, she said, don't remember me all sad and whatnot, but remember the joyful times you had with me. And I remember uh, she was probably the only one that loved me as close to unconditional as possible. She always was encouraging me, always loved me, even in the times where I was down and out and down bad. She was somebody who was stable. And the comfort in, of being loved and knowing that I'm loved by someone as much as I was loved by her is a taste of heaven all around me and an assurance of the reflection of heaven in me. And gather, to be honest, sometimes being here when we say our confession of faith or our gospel proclamation together as a community, this has become a thin space for me. That when I see the fragments of heaven in each one of us here, and in unison using our voices, saying to ourselves and to others, you are loved, rescued, forgiven, and free is a thin space for me, church. James Baldwin says this about these, what I would say, thin spaces, is that if anything we see in Jesus' teaching today about prayer is that the concept of God, if it has any valid validity or any use, it can only make us larger, freer, and more loving. And every time I've encountered a thin space with God, with the divine, I walk away feeling larger, freer, and more loving. And that is what inner transformation is. It's not about perfection or performance, but it's about presence and intention. And when we think about verse 10, maybe a clearer translation is this, that that when we think about uh, heaven coming down, it's maybe letting your reign take place here as it does in the air. You see, church, heaven and the fragments of heaven are not a far away land that one day in the future will inhabit. Instead, the word heaven represents in this verse the nearness and presence of God all around us, in us. The here and now. Now, of course, with us thinking about this heaven, everything does not feel like heaven around us or in us. And the message of Jesus is, but it can be, it will be, and it should be. And that one day in fullness, I promise it will be. We are transformed not only by the hope and sight of the fragments of heaven coming down, but as we pray, it's the presence of heaven all around us and also the beauty of heaven in us and in others. 
Jesus' teaching assumes prayer anticipates journey and not immediacy, presence and not perfection, intention and not virtue signaling. And so my hope, church, today is that you, I, all of us settle in on the journey. Prayer is an anticipated journey in the presence of the divine amidst our thin spaces. And maybe for you, prayer has uh, been a space where you never had to deconstruct. Or maybe for you, it has been a place where you had to do some deconstructing. And maybe you still haven't reconstructed or found a space that is comfortable for you. Wherever you are, I pray that maybe this idea of thin spaces, you can begin to realize the moments in life that are your thin spaces, where God's presence is tangible and apparent. And apparent. And I encourage you to continue the journey and trust in the slow work of God. For your reward is abundance of heaven that is all around us and in us right here and now, the love of the divine. And I know I mentioned slow work of God a lot, and it's from Pierre Tihard de Chardin. And he says this, above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We would like to skip to the immediate stages or intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is law of all progress that is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. So church above all, Trust in the slow work of God for our loving, fine dresser. Maybe for you, as you trust in the slow work of God, you want to know uh, where to start. Right? Maybe it's this idea of what does prayer look like practically for you in your journey and in your life. The most helpful thing uh, might be knowing where to start. And there are many tools for us, uh, I would say center of action and contemplation, daily meditations is great. Maybe if you want to look at the lectionary, there are many out there. Uh, Lectio 365 is a phone app. The Bible Project has a phone app as well. There are many opportunities and tools to access. And wherever you are on your journey, you're accepted, you're loved, you're cherished. And in that space, the divine is meeting with you. So as I promised, we'll end with our prayer today by saying the Lord's Prayer. In verse 9, Jesus says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us into not, not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. For thine is the glory. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.